sicuramente. Hello everyone, welcome to a emergency super late edition of the Roma Happens podcast. Uh, I am today's host, Charizard's Rage, and today I am joined by special guest host, New Jersey Mangoes. Always a pleasure, Charizard. Uh, quick question there, Mangoes. Did you know that uh, mangoes are not native to New Jersey? Yes, I have heard this multiple times. Many people have very kindly informed me of this fact. Are you suggesting that uh, mangoes migrate to New Jersey during the peak off-season? You know, occasionally it's been known to happen. Okay, well, yeah, I, I have noticed a couple of mangoes migrating uh, north, further north than New Jersey. Uh, I have come across a couple at my local supermarket, and they say hello to their southern cousin. Yeah, tell them um, um, Well, I can't, because they're in a smoothie now, and they tasted delicious. Oh. All right. For all you who are wondering, uh, we locked Greaves up in a closet, so uh, we will be hijacking this. The networks didn't like him. Bad for business. The, network, the networks, the the poll. The, I was looking at the exit numbers from the last uh, couple of podcasts, and uh, his numbers were quite high. Really, fascinating. As was my alcohol content. All right. And uh, speaking of alcohol content, we are going to need high quantities of alcohol because uh, a couple days ago, um, Roma lost to Cremonese. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it kind of says it all, doesn't it? Uh, So uh, let's, before we get dive into uh, Cremonese, um, I'll give you a choice. Do you want to talk about our Europa League campaign first or the uh, regular Syria campaign? Uh, that's not a fun choice. Let's take let's take Syria for a hundred, Alex. Okay. I should know my real name. This is kind of sketchy. Uh, all right. So uh, so far, um, we had a really easy stretch of games. Roma did. They had. Uh, Cremonese was the most recent one with a 2-1 loss. And then uh, last match day they had Hellas Verona mm-hmm. which was a 1-0 win with uh, Ola Gobakin scoring a debut goal. But apparently you know, he's very familiar at scoring um, at the Olympico. Quite good at it. Uh, we had let's see, Lecce Roma 1-1 one, one draw, and uh, Roma, Empoli, uh, 2 for Roma, and Empoli, nil. Yep. So, out of that four-game stretch, which I would say is pretty easy, Roma took, let's see, 3, 4, 6, 6 points out of a possible 12. Uh, yeah, I mean... That doesn't seem very acceptable for Roma at the moment, does it? It's not great, um especially because a lot of these teams are struggling. Lecce is a good team this season. They aren't really anything to laugh at. They've been doing a lot of good work. So a point there, you know, it happens. It's not great. Empoli, we got the job done. That was good. Um, but on the whole, I mean, it's really, it really for me comes down to this Cremonese match, right? Especially, I know you didn't quite touch on it, but this is the same Cremonese that we lost to at home in the Coppa Italia to go home. It doesn't get any easier coming out of the break either. Um, We have Juventus, then we've got Sassuolo, Lazio. That's our next three Serie A matches right there. And it's Juve, the Derby, and Sassuolo. That's not going to be fun, given the form Roma's in, especially given that we still have to talk about the Europa League matches. So... Oh yeah, and that's a real Sociedad uh, first leg is at home, and then the second leg is away. Yep. Real Sociedad currently uh, third in third. La Liga. They've got some yes. real pieces, too. This is not a team that you can sort of ignore, especially given how Roma had to pull off a great escape versus Salzburg. So. Uh, yeah. Is it me, or is uh, 
it wasn't really like Roma got the job done. It's just that the Olympico is a very hard place to play if you are a low to mid tier European team. I mean, look, credit where it's due, right? Roma had a very specific job to do, and they went out there and they were clearly motivated and got the job done. Better teams than this Roma have lost when they thought that they didn't have to show up and play. So, in that sense, I mean... Barcelona, cough, cough. Right. Like, I will give full credit to this Roma for showing up and beating the brakes off Salzburg because they needed to. This Roma notably also played Cremonese at home in the cup and lost because they thought they didn't have to take it seriously. So, insofar as that, I think you have to give Roma and you do have to give Mourinho the credit that this team came out firing. But, I, it was one thing. For me, that's really the thing. It's one game, everyone got really hyped about it, and I understand it was a good win. But at the end of the day, you need to show a little bit more consistency if you want Roma to hit those targets that we've set for ourselves. With that consistency, though, like we need consistency with goals. We have... We well had the Fab Four on paper, and um, that Fab Four hasn't really contributed much outside of Dybala. Yeah, so I think that's actually great. You know, Pellegrini. Good. Uh, Pelle- Pellegrini, <clears throat> shadow of himself recently. Don't know if he's playing through injury. Um, my personal hypothesis is I don't think that he has to be the guy anymore. Like, yeah, he's the captain, but. Dybala came in and basically, you know, took over where he had, where he had been playing and is doing the set pieces and the free kicks now. So I mean, the ultimate Pellegrini services are, you know, less required. There, yeah. I, I have a slightly different read in that. I think that the sort of ultimate problem that you have with this team, as it was constructed before the Zaniolo sale, was that you had a lot of people who all because of their play styles, needed the team built around them. Pellegrini is a player that works best if he is the sort of creative focus. Zaniolo works best with someone else drawing attention, but in some sense you're still going to have to build the team around him in the sense that, okay, now you need a Jekko, or you need somebody else who can pull that attention so that he can run into that space. Dybala speaks for himself, right? Incredibly talented, but at the same time, he also demands that you build around him. He's a sort of very specific talent. We have a lot of those pieces, and we don't have a lot of guys who can fill in those gaps, right? When you build around a team player, you're gonna have these little gaps that need to be filled in. Someone's gonna need to be willing to do the dirty work or push themselves out of their comfort zone a little bit, and we just don't have enough players, in some sense, willing or able to do that. And I think this is a really great place to start talking about the reason we are convened here today, which is everyone's favorite football team did what they're so well known for. Roma happened. People people ask, what happened? Roma happened. Yeah. And I'll tell you basically basically one stat sums it up. This was Cremonese's first win in the league. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of people online in real life talking about it, trying to make sense of it, trying to justify it, or at least make sense of what happened. But I think the at the end of the day, it's really simple, right? We pay Mourinho a lot of money. We, play, we pay the players a lot of money. We pay them money so that they don't lose to Cremonese. Like, I'm, with all due respect to Cremonese, they're having a fantastic Coppa Italia run. They are a serious Serie A side that, in general, deserves respect, just like every single opponent Roma faces. But at the same time, you cannot lose them home and away in the span of a month. Like, that's just fundamentally not the level Roma should be at. If you want to talk about what happened, I mean, you obviously have the Frank Sichu goal in the 17th minute. It's a good goal. It's a well-done goal. You have Leonardo Spinazzola responding by playing striker almost in the 71st minute with a great sort of diagonal run that Pellegrini, Dybala, Zaniolo all wish they could pull out at times. And then you have Rui Patricio with quite possibly the most stonewall penalty I've seen given in Serie A this year. I know, Roma fans, we all love to talk about how the refs screw us. I believe Sarah and Piccinini were both suspended after this match. 
But that one, that was legit. That was a legit penalty. Anyway, you slice it. And Roma did not deserve the victory. So, such is life. So, you, so you said we're saying how Roma pays to, you know, beat the Cremonese's of <laughs> Roma has the fourth highest wage bill behind Juventus, Inter, Milan, AC Milan, and then it's Roma. Uh, Cremonese is the seven is the eighteenth uh, lowest, eighteenth uh, highest, third lowest right. in the league. And somehow Roma still can't get the job done. I mean, I, I genuinely don't know what to. Pretty I genuinely don't know what to make of it, though, right? Because I'll tell you what the read was for me, at least watching the game. The read was ultimately like deeply, deeply mentally fragile. For the first five minutes of the game, Roma were killing it out there. They were suffocating. Cremonese say they were passing at will, getting off chances at will, and it felt like it was just sort of a moment away. And then there was one semi-suspect call. I'm not even going to go so far as to say the ref made a wrong decision. I don't necessarily think he did. I think it's at least debatable. And Roma completely lost their heads. They let Cremonese sort of build their way back in, build in, build in, build in, and then you obviously have the Sajuk goal. And then there isn't much improvement. Then the half comes, the half goes, and obviously this is going to be a huge shocking point, so I'm really curious for your take, Charizard. You have Mourinho get sent off less than a minute into the new half. So, what do you make of that, right? What do you make of the the managerial carousel that's been Mourinho getting sent off for Roma this season, and in this game in particular? Well, Mourinho leads Syria in red cards, actually, which I find completely hilarious. Oh, all those reds. Been- I, uh, per- my... My conspiracy theory is that he intentionally gets red cards so that way we can see uh, Fati coach. Good guy Mourinho is just pulling off his version of the Nick Saban school for coaches that don't coach good. Yes. So he has uh, Fati come in and uh, try his hand at, at coaching. And we actually are doing, uh, I would dare say, better with Fati coaching. It's at least plausible. But that's that true. I will say this, though. I feel that... I, I will ahead. say this about the team. And this goes back to your point about the Fab Four earlier. The team, as it was set out today, and as it has been set out, is just very poorly constructed. So I'll give you an example from today. Or not today, but from the last match. Um, the way that the team set up, you had Ibanez in the center, you had Kumbola and Mancini flanking him as the three center backs. And the idea very clearly was pretty simple, right? It was to play long balls. The way that the opposition was able to neutralize this brilliant tactic was by more or less sticking three guys on Cristante and a few guys on Bellotti and like one or two guys on Dybala and Pellegrini and more or less calling it a day. And it worked because it looked like we were playing with nine out there at times. Pellegrini was completely invisible. I actually had to start looking for him just to make sure he was even on the field. Wijnaldum was off in the press, and when he was advancing the play forward, he did it badly pretty often. Um, He's rusty. He's coming back from an injury. I understand that. But it comes back, right? It just keeps coming back to we are set up in ways that rely on, like, two or three players to do things, and opponents know that. It used to be Zaniolo and Dybala. It used to be that opponents would just sort of sit deep and let them sort of work themselves into a corner and they'd be fine because no one else was going to pick up the pieces. But now it's even dumber than that because our AMs don't run for the ball. Dybala is the only one on our team, well, him and Cristante, but that's a whole other controversy. Um, Dybala is running all over the place trying to cover for the running of two other people. And the whole system breaks down because then he's not in the places he needs to be. And so poor Bellotti is just kind of trying to fight off three guys and get a pass off to someone that's not there. And you can say that's player failure, but it happens time and time and time and time and time again. And I think at some point that starts becoming managerial failure. Well, in the last uh, podcast episode, I was saying that people commend Bellotti for playing with Hart, Mm -hmm. and Hart doesn't produce goals. 
I have to eat my words because I think Belotti is not cut out for Syria. We should exclusively save him for the Europa League because he seems to have been saving all the goals that he could have scored with Torino if Torino made it to the Europa League for Roma because he's up to, I think he's up to like three or four goals now in the Europa League. The whole team, frankly, performs I don't think we should use the whole it. team performance better than the Europa League because in the Europa League there's space well, to attack into. That's what this Roman needs, and it's the thing that this system doesn't develop for them. So, yeah, yeah it feels like this this uh, managerial setup that we have going on. It's just strictly defensive. You have you, unfortunately for the Cremonese game, you had Smalling suspended. Mm -hmm. So there goes your cornerstone, arguably at, at and your center backs. So you 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 have to compensate for that and have people play more defensively. And I think that they really lost the sense of urgency in attacking. You know, you said that it started mm -hmm. off great. There was a there was a controversial foul, and then all of a sudden they started playing a little bit more timidly. And I would say. From what I've seen, when Roma doesn't win the possession battle, it tends to favor Roma on the score on the score mm. sheet. Roma had 66.3 possession percent possession during the Cremonese match to Cremonese's 33.7. Yeah, I think that's absolutely accurate. It, yeah, how how do you defend without holding on? You know, holding on to the ball. If you give if you give up possession, then you're always having to play catch up, and it feels like Roma needs to somehow get the ball up. It watching watching them play, it doesn't feel like they can string very many passes right. together to try and get it to the attacking players. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Um, I would actually almost disagree. I think both based on the characteristics of the players we have and based on the philosophy of the manager we've hired. Roma shouldn't want the ball. Roma should be actively giving up the ball and daring teams to come at them. And I don't mean that because, you know, I think this defense can take body blows for 90 minutes, but because if teams are pushing up and you're smart about how you're defending, there's space in behind. And so Brian Cristante, bizarrely, is very, very good at cutting out passing lanes. And the ideal sense, the ideal in some sense for Roma really is something like, Cristante cuts a passing lane, wins the ball back. You catch their center backs, right? Their center backs are now pushed all the way up to the halfway line because they've had the ball, they've had possession, and they're trying to make something happen. And you catch runners in behind. But that whole system doesn't work for Roma because you don't have those people who will run anymore, right? We have Abraham, who currently has an eye issue that's going to keep him out. Hopefully he's back soon, but for now, he's not around. Bellotti is much better used as a sort of hold-up man when someone running past him. And both Pellegrini and Dybala, I mean, they're tens. They require space, but Dybala is double-teamed as soon as he touches the ball, and Pellegrini, frankly, is either too injured or not good enough to generate that space on his own. Like, it's what I'm getting at more and more as I think about this is that our attack is very sort of deeply badly constructed and I mean you know we were talking a little bit before this recording you know that I'm a very very diehard Zaniolo fan so this may come off as bias but I think Zaniolo was the key to making all of these very passing oriented defense type players work because he could have been the guy that was running onto those balls we chose to use him differently and then he obviously threw a temper tantrum and left but that would have been how I would have sort of tried to set it up, at least. Yeah, I feel <clears throat> I feel like you are correct. How they need they need to work on the defense, absorbing the shots, and then hitting the opposition on the counter once we get the ball back. Uh, Tammy, it just doesn't feel like he's very good with the ball at his feet. He's almost. I would argue that he would be kind of in the same boat as um, Patrick Sheik being a vice Jekko. He basically has the same play style. He's a poacher. I think 
watch, watch, if you watch Tammy play, he's a poacher. I haven't seen him score very many, if any, goals out of open play. And I don't believe he scored any goals out of open play this season. And when he has shot from open play, they've hit the wow. crossbar or the woodwork in any kind of way, shape, or form. He's very good at finding at the crossbar challenge, I, I would yeah. say. He's probably arguably he is, first. No, it's, it's kind of unbelievable at this point, honestly. But the I'm going to give him a little bit more credit than that because I think that Abraham is one of the players that is most hard done by how we're lining up. Tammy Abraham has genuine skills, right? Every time I watch him dribble the ball at his feet, I'm always impressed. And his movement is decent and his passing is good enough. Like, there's a real role for a striker like that. Even if they can't score, like, he would be a phenomenal second striker in a two-striker pairing. The problem is we don't play a two-striker pairing. And whenever we do in, like, a 3-5-2, we use him as the big guy. Like, we're not using Tammy Abraham to his strengths, right? If you were using Tammy Abraham to his sort of optimal strengths, you would use him sort of like how Inzaghi almost uses Lautaro, right? To pair off Jekko or to pair off Lukaku. But we don't do that. We ask him to be something he's not. And initially, right, the closest we got to some semblance, I don't think it's a coincidence, right? The closest semblance to offensive functionality we got was when it was Zaniel and Abraham up top, Zaniel playing as the big man, laying it off to an Abraham who could focus on getting in behind and shooting. And like, you know, there's wasted chances because this is Roma. You know, if we could afford guys that were absolutely dead-eyed, then we'd be a completely different club. But that was the closest we got because it was the closest we ever got to figuring out a way to put at least somebody on our team in a position to do what they do best. Yeah. Last, last season was good watching watching Abraham be able to connect with the goal. Uh, towards the end of the season, well, from the mid midpoint of the season towards the end, that was a good thing. Like I said, I believe that it's a sophomore slump that he's going through in Syria. I also agree that I don't think that he's being uh, played to his strengths, but I think that there is... I think that there are better alternatives right now on the bench because he's since he's not being played to his strengths, I think that uh, Ola Sobakin should get a chance at starting again because he, pro- he brought results. Even though I was against 18th place Hellas Verona, he still put a goal in on his debut. I think that he could have gone and got a goal. Um, I know he came in as a sub in the 60th 60th minute or thereabouts, but I think he could have got a goal if he'd started. And uh, I believe Spinazzola probably could have linked up with him. Uh, Spinazzola, actually, do you think that he's now like the t- one in, one of the top three on the yeah. team now? Because he's been whipping in assists like I it's been going out of style. On form, he's definitely top three. I think on talent, he's minimum top five. I think that he just has a dynamism and a willingness to take on that a lot of our team lacks. Zalewski has it, but he's young and he makes mistakes. And we're also kind of turning him into the next Florenzi by playing him wherever. Um, I mean, I will tell, say this for now. He's trying things, right? Bloody played today. He didn't have to. Like, Abraham came on and notably looked like he was fit. So I'm not going to dock Mourinho too many points for not putting on Solbakin. He did put on Bilotti. And we know Bilotti works in a prime, in a sort of one-man system. He did that all the time for Torino. But again, right, whether it's a one-man or a two-man system, your striker needs someone to play off of. Either someone serving him or someone he can, you know, interlink with, pass to and I just think that the way this team is set up, this 3-4-2-1, you just have these like massive isolated gaps, right? Where you have Cristante, Wijnaldum, whoever, Spinazzola, Zalewski bring the ball up. And then there's just this sort of massive yawning gap from the halfway line to the edge of the attacking third. At most, you might have Pellegrini or Dybala, and neither of them will move very much for the ball. They, they're both pretty stationary players. And there's another sort of huge gap, and then you have Bilotti. Um, that's how we play up most often, more often than not. 
right? Same deal with the long ball. Bilotti will bring it down, and if he wants to pass, he's got to pass 20 yards pretty often to get to Pellegrini, to get to Dybala. And both of them are covered, so, you know, what are you going to do? Do you think that Bilotti is suffering from small fish, big pond syndrome in the league by playing for Roma? Because he hasn't scored any goals in Syria, and he, we know that he's very proficient at scoring goals, as he did with Carino. And then he, he's scoring goals in the Europa League, but it's against mid to low tier opposition. I'm, I'm so what gives I'm actually him the looking league? up a lot of his stats here from FB Ref just to get a sense for how he's been performing season over season in Serie A. And I have a couple of. Honestly, it's, it was pretty eye-opening, right? We all remember the 2016-17 season where Bilotti scored 26 goals for Torino, and then Cairo threw a massive price tag on him and all that. And from there, that's that's where the Bilotti legend really begins. The thing is, right, here are his goals after that. 10, 15, 16, 13, 8. Now, those aren't bad seasons, right? Getting 16 goals out of your striker, 15, 16 goals, isn't terrible. But they're not elite seasons. They're perfectly fine seasons for a club that is, for a lot of that time, struggling with relegation. And then he comes to Roma, where not only does he have to fit into a new team, but we saw this with Schick, right? Teams defend Torino, and they defend Roma differently. When you come to Roma, there's a lot less space, there's a lot less time, you have to work that much harder and that much faster. And I think that Andrea Bellotti, in addition to being cursed with this outlier season almost, has problems adapting to that. He might get better next season, right? I mean, we all remember Dzeko looking truly terrible in some ways, and then becoming our, you know, a club legend. But I would say that, you know, Bellotti... Bilotti needs to figure it out. He needs to prove that he still has that 26-goal season player in him again. Because at this point, it's been two, five years, right? This is the sixth year since that season. He's never come close to it again. Yeah, it it feels like Roma, all they can really do is attract, uh, I wouldn't really say wash talent, but I would say talent with not a lot of gas left in the tank. Because you have Bellotti, mm-hmm. Wijnaldum, uh, freaking Mkhitaryan was there last year, Dzeko. It, it feels like the talent that Roma can is able to bring in is just either past their prime players or people coming up from the Primavera. There's no Roma, like obviously Roma is broke because we're strapped with financial fair play, so we can't go and get, you know, a mid mm-hmm. superstar. And when the, like it just, it's hard. It's hard to watch the talent that I feel like we could we could get more talent or better talent because it feels like every season. We just want Roma brings in players that we just want to turn back the clock somehow. And Roma is not a team where people turn back the clock. Usually, everybody right. ends up injured, and then you're like, "Well, that was." I mean, a I think this is sort of the curse of being a Roma fan, right? And what I mean by that is is twofold. Right? On the one hand, you're right, right? Roma is broke, and what that means is, look, I'm sorry if I offend any listeners, but like. You know, Ader Militao is not walking through that door to fix our defense, right? Casemiro is not walking through the door to fix our midfield either. Like, the truly elite players at the top of the game are simply out of Roma's price range. What isn't out of Roma's price range are young kids with everything to prove, which is how Sabatini built the team, or older vets. The thing is, right, Roma fans also, in our glorious insanity believe that we're entitled to good players, we're entitled to brand names, well, you're not going to get the brand name when he's actually, you know, fit and firing and building his legend. You're going to get him on the back nine of your career. You're going to get him when he's actually Cole. Um, right? You're going to get him when these players are done with their career, because that's when they're cheap. 
the notable, there are exceptions, right? Jekko is a very notable exception. He came here and was a professional and played through it. Dybala seems to be an exception. He's coming and he's absolutely killing it. Rui last season even was an exception. This season, there's a conversation to be had at least about him. Um. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, this is... As a staunch Rui supporter, you can't... It's... I don't know what to I, As a not-staunch Rui supporter, all I will say on the matter is that he could be doing better, and we'll address that in a couple minutes. But to finish this point, Roma don't have the luxury of money to go out and buy these players, right? We don't have... You know, we don't have the... We don't have backer like Chelsea or City or PSG. We don't have the success like a Real Madrid, right? We don't even really have much of anything that could attract a truly top player at the moment, right? We don't play the Champions League. What we do have is just enough credit to try and entice people that they can either launch their career with us like Allison did, or we can be the capstone to their career like Dybala said. But that carries risks, plain and simple. So you're telling me that the Friedkins right. aren't made out of money with their I mean, they're made Toyota. out of plenty of money. Their net value went up Dale. 50% in the last year. So they've got money. They've got a lot of it. They just don't have enough to single-handedly bankroll a team. Which is fine, right? I've been a staunch supporter of the fact that Serie A's decline, as it were, as a whole is because every fan base doesn't want to sort of look at structural issues. They say, oh, well, it's fine, right? We've got this new rich owner. They're going to give us a ton of money and they're going to fix everything. And, you know, there is a team in Italy that did that. Their name is Inter. They're super broke now. Um, I don't want Roma to end up like that, right? I don't want Roma to end up in a position where we're letting go of everyone for peanuts or freeze. Not because we're trying to be cautious with our money like Roman is now but because it's either pay Lorenzo Pellegrini or keep the lights on so yeah I prefer to keep the lights on because even if we had even if we didn't have the lights on that would mean that Roma mm-hmm. ceased to be a team and I could not imagine a world where I didn't support a club that I loathe and I mean, despise that's what the Niners are for right no, the, uh, the Niners are actually, in my opinion, are in a good um, spot, unlike Roma. I follow... Let's see. One, three, four. Out of the four major sports that I follow, two of the teams I support, the Boston Celtics and the San Francisco 49ers, are the only two teams that I would say are in a good spot and I respect any decision that they do. Other than that, Roma and the Red Sox right now are not. I, I'm fig- trying to figure out what the heck both both clubs are doing. I understand like why the Freakins brought in Mourinho because they were after brand recognition. They're trying to put Roma up on the map like a Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester United. They're trying to up the brand and bring in talent to Mm -hmm. bring in jersey sales or merch rights. But the thing is, is that when you're strapped with financial fair play, you can't pay the superstars that you want to pay and have that brand recognition. And you can see that they are trying to get brand recognition because if you go on Roma's Twitter feed... Every couple weeks, they'll say, come shop the JM collection or shop the Dybala collection. So that way you can get merch for your favorite manager or player. I wish that they had, I wish that they had, you know, done something more to boost the brand. You know, they tried pairing, they tried pairing with New Balance to try and get a better deal for their kits. And that backfired spectacularly because now it's, it, it feels like it takes longer to get a kit from New Balance than it did with Nike. Although I hope Adidas will fix that. Yeah, and their designs were pretty dope too. Um, I will defend, yeah, 
I, have I to will do their best defend ones. the appointment of Mourinho on one specific ground, which is that if you looked at this club sort of coming off of Fonseca, right? What did we think? We thought this is a team that has some real offensive talent, right? Some guys that might actually be sort of worthy heirs to Tani. What we don't have are defenders, right? What we have in terms of defense are guys that give up six goals, like more than once. And if you're the Friedkins and you're looking at that, then it's a reasonable claim to say, look, right? The attack can figure itself out, but we need someone who can solve for the defense. And... It is genuinely true that there is no one quite like Jose Mourinho to shore up your defense. So I at least get it, right? Especially because there were the stories that they came in and they hated how much of a losing atmosphere there was in the club. Like, I get it, but it didn't work. So it's time to try something new, potentially. In the first place I would look for the signs of that is that last season, right? We've talked... Right, we, meaning the Roma fan base broadly, have talked a lot about how reactive the transfer window was, and how, you know, maybe we were always trying to be in the Europa League. I don't buy it for a second. And I don't buy it for a second because you don't go out and get Jose Mourinho, right? You don't go out and get 80 million euros worth of players, I think it was, to finish one point better than last year, right? You go out and you do that if you're like, okay, look, the gap is over 10 points, to the Champions League places, but we think we're going to hit that gap hard and we're going to make it, right? We are going to be a Champions League team because we've got the best coach, we've got the better players now, like we've got the depth that these teams didn't have before and we're going to do it. And then we didn't. But I think that is why last summer was so cheap. What I'm trying to say is I think that the Mourinho experiment was born of a lot of good ideas and just didn't work and it happens, but then... If it's just not working, then it's just not working. You've got to, you got to course correct. Well, according to, I believe it was Football Italia, Jose Mourinho might be headed out the door if Roma can't get Champions League football. And apparently, PSG are very, I mean, very if interested. If he doesn't make Champions League services. football, I will genuinely sort of wish him well. Right? I think that at that point, it's clear that the partnership has. I don't want to get into the debate over is he washed, has time passed him by, I'm not sure about all that. But I think it's not difficult to tell that maybe this isn't a good thing. I do want to pivot off Mourinho though and go back to the players because whether or not Mourinho is in, we're going to have to replace some of these players, starting with everyone's favorite Portuguese goalkeeper. I've got the stats up for him, and I know you're not a huge stat head, but some of these stats are really bad. To distill it down, FBref has this statistic called post-shot XG, and they divide it by shots on target. And what that creates is a metric that tells you how savable are the shots that your goalkeeper faces. Rui Patricio, Rui Patricio on a per 90 basis, mm. faces the easiest shots of any goalkeeper in any top five league. That means that Rui Patricio has quite possibly the oh. easiest job of any goalkeeper in the top five leagues. And yet, he is dramatically underperforming that XG. He is, to put it in sort of very simple layman's terms, he's facing easy shots and he's conceding more of them than he should by a lot. Um, in fact, he's conceding about 40% more goals than he should, according to some of the statistics I've seen. Think what we could do with 40% goals. Yes, I saw that. I saw that stat too. Um, I lo- I love how people keep bringing mm-hmm. up uh, expected goals. Usually, it's Roma is underperforming their expected goals by a lot. It seems like whenever expected goals are brought up, no matter if you're talking about Roma as a team or the players themselves, they just right. severely assume for a long time that you know this underperformance is really really bad. Right? That's one explanation for why you would underperform your expected goals. But there is another reason. Like, you can also underperform your expected goals because the system is failing or the players are failing. And with Rui, it's one player, right? Like, our defenders actually have pretty decent offensive, or defensive, I'm sorry, stats. And so I'm inclined to say that, you know, Rui is declining. Maybe he is the problem. On the offense, though, everyone's underperforming the XG all the time. And that creates questions, right? 
I think that creates real questions about who is responsible for what in this offense. Why are they falling apart? And why is it, again and again, I keep coming back to this fact, right? Why is it that at this point, any one of us know to a reasonable degree that we are going to be watching a game that involves us hoping and praying that Dabala bails us out and just kind of accepting that no one else is going to step up. So is Roma really truly performing, underperforming with their XG because they just are unlucky or do teams just have the nature our of number? God. Because like Mourinho's <laughs> been around the block a couple times now just and he refused it doesn't I would I would say that he doesn't change his tactics just do teams have him have his tactics figured out and just they're like all right we'll stop uh, today we'll stop Pellegrini and Dybala neutralize those two and you neutralize their whole attack and then when anybody else gets off a shot our goalie can save it because it's not really I, that much of a challenge. Or is it a little bit of column A, column B? I think it's a little bit of column A, column B, but it's not clear to me, right? Like, why is Roma underperforming is a really tough question to answer because, I'll put it this way, right? Look, tactically, I think Jose Mourinho has created a system that sacrifices the attack, Right. It's a system that asks eight players to defend and three players to attack and kind of just tells those three players good luck, like make it happen. Um, I believe we've all heard the term, right? Let them hoop, let them play, let them ball, right? That That's really the, the modus operandi of Mourinho. It has been ever since Real Madrid, at least. It worked at Real Madrid. It worked at Real Madrid because he had players that would consistently overperform their XG, right? He didn't need to go out and scheme something up for them to do better. He didn't need to go out and train them to do better. They would just do, right? As long as they were sufficiently motivated and put in systems where mistakes were minimized, you could trust that they would make fewer mistakes than their opponent. You can't do that with this Roma. Like, you just fundamentally cannot. Not because I don't love the players on this team, but because... Any player of that caliber is a top five player in the world, arguably. We we don't have that capacity, right? We don't have a young Cristiano Ronaldo on this team. We don't have a Mesut Ozil, even. Right? We've got Lorenzo Pellegrini, who's being played into the ground, because, I don't know, what's the other option? This is... This is the Can't fundamental problem. It. And it's not... This is why, I think, at some level, it's hard for me to say that Mourinho is washed up. Or that the game is past Mourinho by. Because... I think there are clubs for whom Mourinho would do very well. The one that comes to mind is Newcastle, right? If Mourinho was at a club where money just is no object, right? He can get whoever he wants, and his big purpose is to motivate these players, then I think he'd do great, especially if he was at a club like Newcastle, where players didn't feel like they had made it just because they had made it to Newcastle. If you get, if Mourinho has some sort of young, hungry club like that, that has a ton of money and is willing to spend, I think he would be phenomenal. I actually think he would go back to being seen as one of the best coaches in the world. Roma simply do not have the financial means to provide Mourinho with a squad capable of playing his style of football. And Mourinho fans use that as a cudgel to beat the club with. I think that's because Mourinho's style works only with truly top five level talent. He is a phenomenal guy if you have that talent, and he is borderline useless if you don't. So, say that uh, Mourinho fucked off somewhere. Who would you tap on the shoulder to no, this is where for me lead Roma really, next really season? Dark, actually, for the club. Because I think implicit in that question, you have to sort of ask, well, why is Mourinho leaving? And at this point, the only reason Mourinho was realistically leaving is because we failed to make Champions League football, right? Like, I know there's been a lot of rumors in the press. I know that, you know, there's been a lot of speculation. But I think at the end of the day, if Roma makes the Champions League, both sides are going to say, you know what, we got to keep going. So realistically, if Mourinho's leaving, it's because there is no Champions League football at the end of this ride. And if Mourinho's gone, 
and Ball is going, and Matic is going, and probably three or four more players are going. I wouldn't be surprised to see Abraham pack his bags and head back to England. Um, all of that means that we are going to be a club that has not a lot of talent, hasn't made the Champions League since in, what, 2018-19, so it'll be four or five years since we sniffed the Champions League. We're going to be in a dark place. I would go so far as to say that we would be on the edge of a Inter or Milan-style banter I don't want to deal with that. So I would say if we're losing Mourinho, we need someone whose first job is to stop the bleeding, stabilize Roma as a club that can work with what they have and just get us to consistently be Champions League contenders again. And I think the best person for that job is General Gattuso. Because I would argue that without Gattuso, you don't see Milan win last year's Scudetto. He built the groundwork for that that Pioli took over. You don't see Spalletti this year, right? Gattuso started the clear-out that ultimately culminated in the current Spalletti-Napoli side. I would bring him to Roma. I would say, look, we don't have a lot. We've got these players. You have shown a commitment in any prior stops of playing you. Take this team. We'll accept that we're going to be in the Europa League potentially, but take this team and do the best you can with it and rebuild the foundations of the club. In some ways, ever since 2017-18, right, ever since that, that huge comeback against Barcelona, we've been trying to catch lightning in a bottle over and over and over and over. And maybe it's time to just rebuild, right, start over. That team isn't coming back. That level isn't coming back for a little bit. So if Mourinho's going, I think the only responsible move is to try again. Yeah, Roma needs to... Uh... I, I personally believe that Roma needs to blow it up, start from the very bottom, because when the Freakins took over, there I was reading an article that they wanted to build the team around right. Pellegrini and Zaniolo. Zaniolo is no longer with the team, and Pellegrini is showing inconsistency at least. Massive. Um, yeah, he, he show, he's showing a massive regression. And he is not the same Pellegrini as last season or two seasons ago. So they needed to completely overhaul the project. And unfortunately, it needs to go back to youth or it needs to go into scouting lower leagues and finding up and coming yeah. talent in lower leagues. And it feels like recently they've been missing on, on, Scouting because uh, they had uh, who is that uh, goalie yeah. from yeah Benfica Mila Sivar yeah haven't haven't really seen much of him he was he was in for the Europa League and then I believe he was his that last game right. was against uh, what was it Ludogratz mm-hmm. and we lost and haven't seen him since or. Uh, Matthias Vigna. He came in, he was supposed to replace Spinazzola, didn't do a very good job. Uh, it was funny because the uh, Palmeiras fans were saying that he was like the second coming of Christ. And now so he's off at Bournemouth. I to ask you, which is, it's the end of the season. Let's just say for a second that Roma finished fifth. So there's no Champions League football down, down the pike. What's your first move if you're if you're the Freakins? Probably have to deal with the fallout of losing Mourinho. Probably have would, to appoint a new coach. Ask is because I think I think you have to start looking at Pinto. Right, Pinto has been dealt a very very bad hand with his sales at Roma, and you know last season I I said he sold extremely well given his circumstances, but I'm less sure of that as time goes on because he hasn't bought effectively to replace. And even something like this Zaniolo thing, I mean, we could, as you know, right, we could devote a whole podcast just to how I feel about Zaniolo, but I think that at the end of the day, Pinto bears primary responsibility for the fact that at the end, Roma had to settle for an offer like the one they took from Galatasaray. Um, Yeah, I, I think that any future manager that you bring in will be hamstrung if they're playing by Pinto's rules. 
and that instead, the most successful manager we've had since Sabatini is Petrarchi. And that sounds absolutely bonkers to me, but it is true. What? Yeah, and I feel kind of like, part of me kind of wants Petrarchi back, but at the same time, I kind of feel like he was a little... He was uh, a strange man with many questions. Just, yes. And, you know, I was always wondering, who's going to make the media first? Roma the team? Or Petrarchi because he does something completely out of the blue? Wasn't he the one that went down and told the team to stop playing like like little children? Yes. It's just... That was absolutely It's consistent, right? It's it's the same... It's the same organizational confusion that's plagued the club as long as I can remember. And... I mean, at the end of the day, right? Look, we're talking here like it's doom and gloom, right? That Mourinho's already gone and we're going to finish 10th and whatever. I think... I think we do have to inject a little bit of belief, right? Right now, Roma are fifth. You can't do that because that, that, that goes against Maybe everything not, but, but about Roma being are fifth. Fan. We're only one point back of Lazio and fourth. Like, we can save this. The only question is, do we think we can? And, yeah, that's the problem uh, now, isn't it? Nope. When you get six, when you have four easy games and you get six out of 12 points against the lower half of the table, you really need to evaluate what you're going to do against the upper half of the table. And frankly, I don't even think Roma would be in fifth if Juventus wasn't handed a points deduction. I think we'd be sniffing around the conference league again. And I feel like Juventus will will come up and uh, reclaim their spot even with the points deduction. And the only way that you would make them stay down is if they were strictly uh, relegated to Serie I think that's very, very possible, honestly. But uh, no, no, that they that they come back. What? And them take getting the first relegated? Five. Roma is not like Roma hasn't been a team that can manage their own destiny. It all every single season it comes down to. Oh, I hope that Inter or AC Milan or Lazio fuck up and then Roma can capitalize and then Roma always bottle it. Somebody on Reddit was like, Oh, all we gotta do is just win against Loli Cremonese and then we'll be in second, you know? Yeah. The thing is is that Roma if you tell Roma that they have to win, they'll find a million different ways to lose. I've never seen Roma just handle a match yeah, and call it and confidently, unless it's yes, it's all there's always something that just comes up, and while it feels like in Syria as in entirety, it feels like mm-hmm. basically this season Napoli's gonna win the Scudetto, but in previous seasons it felt like like last season it felt like. The Scudetto race was wide open at this point, and then Roma was like, just figure. Everybody was like, the Scudetto was lava, and nobody would bother to try and capitalize on that. And then, yeah, I think it was Milan that won. So, you just, they just lucked into it. But if you tell Roma the destiny's in your hands, they're like, oh, sorry about that. No, it's not. And then pass the buck off to somebody else. It always feels like Roma has to rely on other people and just can't do the and job you're right, right? The do the job that are again another podcast we should make this a series or something we call it a podcast um, but but I think That's what is cool. true is that I think this is what terrifies me the most if I had to step off of the the optimism I just expressed what terrifies me the most is Mourinho's post-match press conference because and I think this is important enough that I'm actually going to go in I'm going to grab his press conference and I'm going to read this part aloud because if Mourinho is to be believed, he wasn't able to motivate the squad effectively. He said, The last thing I said to the players before the game was, let's use our imagination. Let's imagine that this is the last game of the season. Let's imagine that we've played everyone and there's just one match left. Cremonese versus Roma. It's the last game. If we lose, we'll be in the Europa League. If we draw, we'll be in the Europa League. If we win, we'll be in the Champions League. 
are we going to win this game or not? And, well, we all know what happened there, didn't don't we? Mourinho was a very, very, very good yes. man manager and a very good motivator in some ways. But that, to me, the fact that he's saying that in the press especially, tells me that, that this is it, right? That the motivation is running dry, that players are looking around and thinking, well, you know, what's, what's really there, right? Maybe they're maybe they have that motivation coming out, right? They go out, and for the first five minutes, they're trying really hard. But as soon as any kind of adversity strikes, they just stop. They give up, right? They don't believe in the manager. They don't believe in themselves. And maybe that's the clearest signal I have that it's time for change. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what will happen with Roma. You know, everybody... I wish them the best. I wish that they would win a Scudetto in my lifetime. It was nice watching them lift the Conference League trophy, but to me, that doesn't that doesn't cut it. it it's it's like just one tier above the Mabel Green trophy. It's like in that in in winning the Bonsai, Real Madrid didn't feel feel their best team, and the Conference League Roma was the. I mean, All this is the other thing, right? So, to you know, win the Mourinho conference. conditioned the fan base to expect last year that, you know, the conference yeah. league is hard. It's full of real opponents that we have to take seriously, and if we get a 1-0 win, that's sort of what we can hope for. Fiorentina are in the conference league this year. They have a worse squad than Roma. They have a manager that's willing to attack, and they put four past their opponent. Yeah, it's... The, to quote somebody that we're both familiar with, yeah. it's a classic Mourinho shithouse. And uh, and the thing is, is that the Mourinho shit housing, it it's not very aesthetically pleasing, but it gets the job done when it gets the job. Right now, it feels like it's not getting the job done very well. But they made this really cogent point that I think we miss sometimes because we're you know in the Mourinho experience. They made the point that Mourinho, Mourinho's style works great. I'll give you an example, right? If we had Mourinho at Old Trafford that day that we got hit 6-2 under Fonseca, we would have won. And we would have gone home thinking, this is amazing, right? If you could, at halftime, tell Fonseca to take five and put in Mourinho, and we defended with everyone, and we walked out with a 2-1 victory at Old Trafford with, like, a bajillion injuries, like, fine, right? Everyone would have been ecstatic. But that's what this can give you, is that you just might be able to beat the odds. But the cost of that is watching the team struggle and struggle and struggle and never find that moment against Cremonese. And then you're out. And you have to ask yourself, well, what happened? What would have happened if we had pushed our advantage a bit more? And... I think that's a suitably depressing place to end the analysis this week. Looking forward, how do you see us doing? Do you think we can salvage points out of any of these big matches? It's not like Mourinho has done poorly in those affairs this year, at least. Um. Well, with what's coming up, uh, did you see the not... uh, referee assignment for the Juventus game? Oh, who is it? Oh, it's a joy. It's, uh... Let me look it up real quick. I saw a picture of it. Oh. Why can't it be Orsada? Mareska. Why can't it be Arati? Why can't it be like a semi-competent referee? Why is it Mareska? Because you know how, uh, how well, the, uh, I just remember you will be on the sideline to cause controversy. Do you think, uh... I think it's possible. Well, I think, I think another result with guts. That's kind of all I ask of Roma at this point. So, Roma Juventus, Sunday, uh, mm-hmm. Roma Real Sociedad, Thursday, and then next uh, next week it'll be Roma Sassuolo, and then and the, the second leg of Sociedad Roma, and then everybody's favorite reason note, to start drinking the dirt. We're going to have, on that note, let's see what happens. Thanks for having me, Charizard. Yep. Uh, until I'm next Angus. time, I'm Charizard's Rage. 
Graves says hi. See at times, I'm on be running like a brother gunning craze. Army fatigues every day, hunting justice like a job for AIDS. Swing a spade, rhyme craze. I move strategic lyrics, blaze whenever heated on point. Inflaming MCs like joints and manufacturing. Reactions like a pack in. Stay to my